Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. Today we are discussing tech once again because we had so much fun talking about the Apple versus Epic court case yesterday. We're going to talk about another Apple-related issue in the news right now. They are face-off with Facebook over their current iOS privacy restrictions or opt-in. I don't know what to call them. Features? Are they features? Let's call them iOS privacy features. How are you this morning? I'm doing I'm doing well here. May 11th. Uh, it's a cloudy morning here in Denver, Colorado, and uh, but it's nice and refreshing. Uh, we need the water. And how are you this morning, David? I'm doing okay. I uh, when my alarm went off this morning, it was like a hard wake up. Like I was hard sleeping, but I actually have decent energy. You know, you sometimes you think when it's like, oh, whoa, I was sleeping hard, that you're not gonna have a easy transition into wakefulness. But but I did, and I think part of the reason is I got these blueberries. And they're perfectly ripe. So that's what I had for breakfast. <laughs> and sometimes in life, you gotta just appreciate the little things. And I like blueberries. But there's a difference between blueberries and blueberries that are perfectly ripe. So this morning, as I'm eating a handful of blueberries for breakfast, I'm like, wow, I should really enjoy this because you don't get this every day. <laughs> yeah, I did. Same thing this morning. I got up and then. It was hard to get up because it was really nice sleeping, but boy, it's uh, once you get up and get moving, it's it's really a uh, it's a nice day. It's nice for refreshing. I don't mind the rain. It's no. it's 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 refreshing. It's nice and smells good. I mean, the weatherman was wrong again, but it's okay. <laughs> uh huh. So today we're discussing Facebook versus Apple. There was some stuff that came out. So yesterday's episode was a little messed up on YouTube. I never re-uploaded it. I figure. Let's just keep charging. You know, why fix yesterday's episode when we can make a new episode today? But some stuff came out in the Apple versus Epic trial that I thought was pretty darn interesting that Mm -hmm. we did not discuss on yesterday's podcast. So Apple had a... Did you hear about this? No. uh Uh-uh. They had a security breach. Oh, really? So Xcode is on a Mac. You use Xcode like you would use maybe Visual Studio on a PC. Um, it's their it's their text editor, but it's like an integrated development environment. So you can sort of run code, test code, write code, uh, and it, it's sort of like a, a text editor on steroids. Well. I think there was a bug or a malware version of Xcode that people were using that wasn't the real version of Xcode. I don't know the whole story, but if you use that to develop your app, the app that you would submit to the app store was malware. It was spying on you. Mm. And 150 million users had their iPhones compromised. Oh, wow. And there were hundreds of apps that got through the security screen of Apple's App Store. And Mm. I'm paraphrasing all these numbers, don't sue me, Apple. So Epic found internal communications, obviously, like they would because this is war, that said, Apple knew about this. And they had a big crisis. They say, do we tell 
the 150 people, 150 million accounts that have been compromised, that they've been compromised. And they decided, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to post a general, vague thing on our website that says there is some malicious X code and we're taking care of it. If you install these apps and these versions, you may be vulnerable. And they showed the top 25 apps that were affected, even though 150 apps were affected. So they decided to keep their users in the dark. And yet they're taking 30% of Epic Games money because they provide security for their platform. But it's true that they don't provide security. And when there's a breach, they don't tell their customers about it. That was yeah. Epic's point. Obviously, when you serve hundreds of millions or a billion people, some things are going to fall through the cracks. That's right. But uh, when Epic finds something like that, they're not going to let it go. No. That's their, there's, that's there's their of, ace in the hole. Of, that's right. There's a lot at stake here. Um, and the whole reason that they have to pay Apple 30% of their money is for the security of the platform. So if they can find evidence that the platform is not necessarily secure, well... Um, yeah. Well, that's uh, the other thing, too, is that uh, that's the story that came out, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I'm sure Apple had a response to that. And so there's going to be their side of it, like uh, on why they did what they did. So uh, one thing I like what we do is like, oh, OK, well, that's the issue. That's the issue. But there's going to be two sides to it. We'll and uh, we'll, we'll see what the actual situation is and um, what the case is. Yeah. And I know that this did not affect Epic Games at all, but they don't have any problem dragging Apple's name through the mud when they're in the <laughs> middle of a court case. That's right. So, right. I, I mean, I think the whole Epic thing is fascinating. We went on for an hour and a half yesterday about it. There's only 45 minutes of it available on YouTube. And I was thinking of re-uploading the whole video, but instead I'll just encourage people. Subscribe to the audio version of our podcast at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Amazon Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and then you can hear that full episode from yesterday. It's a win-win. Yep. You get to listen. Because the, the audio, all of it is there in the audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get to uh, listen to us every single day. <laughs> mm -hmm. Every Monday through Friday, unless I'm hiking, which I will be soon. Um, so, do you know the issue with Facebook and Apple? Do you want me to paraphrase it for you, or do you understand? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Go ahead and paraphrase it for for me, because uh, I don't, I don't a little bit on on part of it is advertising and how Facebook handles their information, and uh, but hey. Uh, Paraphrase it a little bit more for me and also for our listeners on what the issues are. Okay, I've pulled just one article. We might, I might be able to Google some up because I need to do more prep for the show so that we have a big doc and good stuff to read from. But whatever, this is the one. I didn't read this. I just Googled it and pulled it up right before the show started. So this is from April 20th. This is 30, 20 days old now. Um, but Facebook and Apple. They're at odds. And I heard some reporting yesterday on a tech news YouTube channel that I watch 
that the numbers are starting to come in. This is prior to the Apple iOS update. So iOS runs on your iPhone and it runs on your iPad. Mm-hmm. And Apple controls the privacy features. So what Facebook does is they say, oh, we need control of all of your stuff. We need to be able to track you across apps. If you Google something, Facebook will know about it. If you look something up on your ESPN Sports app, Facebook will know. If you look up Shohei Otani, they call him Showtime. He's a pitcher, and he's a really good hitter, and he plays for the Anaheim Angels. They'll know you're interested in baseball, and you may be interested in Japanese baseball players, and you may be interested in the Anaheim Angels, and you, uh, according to your location data, you're in Anaheim, and we may serve you uh, ads when you're on Facebook that are explicit because you searched something when you weren't even on Facebook uh, about Shohei Otani, Showtime, the pitcher and hitter. Well, Apple said, you know, I think that in the interest of privacy, we should add a feature to our operating system that says if you want applications to track you across apps, not just when you're on Facebook, you should have to opt into that. Oh, I see. Okay. So Interesting. So when the new iOS update rolls, it says, do you want Facebook to follow you wherever you go? And you can say, no, thanks. (laughs) And you know who doesn't like the ability to say no, thanks? Facebook. They hate it. That's right. Um, It's their whole business model. So I don't know if there's going to be a court case or what, because these are two giants. Now, Epic Games, they're a big company. They're a $30 billion company. But that's less than 3% of Apple's worth. You know, Facebook, you're looking at a company that's, 60, 70% 60, 70% of the size of Apple, they might be able to fight. And they could bring along everyone that uses aggregated data and tracking with them. So mm-hmm. it's it's uh, the side of privacy versus the side of, I want a corporation to know everything about me. <laughs> I, as you can tell, I'm not a big fan of Facebook. So, so should we read this article a little bit just to see what yeah. Queenie Wong... A uh, reporter for CNET has to say about uh, the – this is from April 20th, and then we can get into some more recent stuff because they've implemented this iOS revision. This is re- when they were talking about we're going to do this, and Facebook says, no, now they've done it, and the data is starting to come back from the first few weeks. And the number of people that opt in, believe it or not, is low. Do you want this app to track you? Most people say no thanks. You know, do you want to opt in to Facebook doing everything about you? You're getting single-digit percentage of people saying, yeah, sign me up for that. Sounds great. So (laughs) a privacy change coming. This is uh, Facebook versus Apple. Here's what you need to know about their privacy feud by Queenie Wong from CNET. Queenie Wong. Let's see what Queenie Wong says. A privacy change coming to the software that powers Apple's popular iPhone has prompted a war of words in Silicon Valley. The iPhone maker is expected to roll out an update to his iOS 14 operating system next week that prompts you to give apps permission to track their activity across other apps and the web. That change, which Apple calls app tracking transparency, may seem small. Lots of apps already track our web activity through default settings we accept when we install them. Facebook, however, has been fuming about the change, which threatens the source of its $86 billion in annual revenue. 
targeted ads. The social network has waged a months-long campaign against Apple, running full-page ads in national newspapers and testing pop-ups inside the Facebook app that encourage users to accept its tracking. It's also alleged that Apple's changes are designed to help the iPhone makers own business rather than protect consumer privacy. That is an allegation that's probably true, right? Apple's changes are designed to help iPhone makers own business rather than protect consumer privacy. Yeah, the, their interest is more toward the business side than the consumer side. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, so they're saying we're doing this for privacy. And it's like, it's obviously going to benefit you too. You know, you're not just altruistically providing people with privacy and there's no benefit to your company. Yeah, sure, it screws Facebook over, but I'm sure that it gives you more control over your consumer's destiny, right? For mm -hmm. Apple. That's, mm -hmm. that's how I see it. Apple may say they're doing this to help people, but the moves clearly track their competitive interests. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg said, oh, I didn't read it like Mark Zuckerberg. Apple may say they're doing this to help people, but the moves clearly track their competitive interests, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg said in January during the company's fourth quarter earnings call. Apple CEO Tim Cook says the change is rooted in the company's belief that users should have the choice over the data that is being collected about them and how it's used. The dispute underscores a fundamental difference between the tech giants, how they make money. Apple sells smartphones and laptops and takes a cut of fees charged to app developers. Facebook sells ads that it can target precisely based on the trove of data it collects on its 2.8 billion monthly users. Those business models inform their approach to privacy. Here's what you need to know about the fight between Apple and Facebook. Um, let's discuss for a moment. So, I mean, they're obviously, Apple's not going to roll something out that's detrimental to Apple. And I think that to say we're the company of privacy, you can opt in. Like on a Google phone, on, I have an Android phone, I sort of have accepted Google knows exactly what I do on my phone. Mm -hmm. And that's okay I, because that's sort of the way it is. I, I don't have Facebook on my phone because I don't want Facebook tracking me. I mean, I don't use Facebook, period, but they seem like one of the least... They have the least amount of concern for your privacy. Well, Apple can use this privacy thing to sell iPhones and to sell iPads. So that is their core business model. So when they say they're not doing this just for privacy, they're doing it for their business. Of course they are. Um, but their business is just different than yours. That doesn't make their business bad. That doesn't make privacy a bad thing. How do you yeah, but how does that... But I, I'm just wondering, I guess I don't, I'm beginning to understand the issue, but the question is, how how does Apple's action help Apple uh, more than it hurts Facebook? I mean, how, how does it help them, them on the product side that much? Um, well, here's the thing. So if you're concerned about being tracked, about these companies knowing everything about you. And you know that Google is almost as bad as Facebook in terms of they're going to track everything about you as well. But Apple won't. Would you make the switch from an Android phone to an iPhone? 
I guess so. Yeah, that's they're, what you mean. They're yeah. positioning themselves in the market as the one that gives you control over your own data. And it was important 10 years ago. It's doubly important now. The sophistication of what these companies know about you is is greater. And Apple is saying, what if we let you choose whether or not these companies get to know what these companies get to know about you? You can do that with our devices. Well, one, one thing that's been true for for decades is that uh, the ability to acquire data uh, far uh, exceeds the ability to analyze the data. Uh, and so we've been able to track uh, to acquire data and collaborate data and share data more and more and more and more. Well, that's just going that's far ahead of the ability to analyze it. But it's been out there for so long that the analysis of the data is really growing with artificial intelligence. So they're being able to being able to learn more and more and more. And uh, the, the question is, how where's the limit of how much they know about you and how can they use that? Uh, and so I can see that uh, wanting to limit how much they know about you and what you do uh, is beneficial to you because mm-hmm. they can uh, they can undermine uh, your thinking. They can undermine your decisions, your judgment. Uh, they can do a lot uh, to uh, it's not just uh, uh, purchasing. And so Apple, I can see how they can use that to say, OK, now that it's gotten uh pretty sophisticated that uh, we want to move our products and by doing that we'll we'll say this is a way to undermine uh like facebook uh and their ability to track you but then it'll, it'll make people buy our products yeah. am i saying that right is that kind of what's what the deal is yeah privacy is a selling point for apple whereas because their business model is selling devices with facebook when you use Facebook, you're not the customer. You're the product. Right. So, so the difference, the reason why Apple wants to promote privacy to you is because you are the customer. They need you to buy their devices to stay in business. Facebook, they're not selling you anything. They're giving you a free service and they're tracking you wherever you go on the web they're collecting data on you, and you're the product. Now, so, I, so, for, for, for the listeners, for what you mean by they're the product, sometimes I think a lot of people don't understand what that means. Uh, the consumer is the product in that uh, what they sell is the information they get from the users. Yes, so if we look at the article, they say that Facebook, which threatens the source of it's $86 billion in annual revenue. Well, if you're using Facebook, if you're a 48-year-old middle-aged woman and you post on Facebook 10 times a day, you have to ask yourself, have I ever paid Facebook a dime? No, you haven't. Um, so you're not Facebook's customer. The $86 billion comes from companies. If you say, oh, you need this you need this product, 48-year-old middle-aged woman that posts on Facebook 10 times a day, and we've analyzed your posts, and we've determined that you're more likely to buy this product than others based upon your behavior on Facebook and across the web. And so someone's paid Facebook to say, this person's going to buy your product. Serve them the ad. You serve them the ad, they buy it. That's why Facebook 
can get $86 billion in revenue, in advertising revenue. So the, the product of Facebook is the information they get from the consumer and the consumer themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what they're selling. Yeah. That's, that's why the consumer is the product, not the customer. Yes. The customer is going to be the companies that sell, that buy that information to know to sell to you. Now, mm-hmm. you're the customer of the clients of Facebook, but you're the product of Facebook that they sell to the, to the advertisers. I think sometimes some people may not understand that. that, that yeah. Sometimes little, it's a little confusing. But uh, when you said they're the they're not the customer of their product, like I started thinking about that. I go, yeah, you're right. But then a lot of people don't understand that. No, they'll think I use Facebook. I'm Facebook's customer. If I stop using it, they're gonna go out of business. It's like, but have you ever given them a dollar? The, the answer is probably no. And the reason why you've never given them a dollar is because you're not their customer. Um. I think this is a good place to interject uh, May 4th, 2021, Signal tried to launch, hold on, but I, I want to slow burn it a little bit. They tried okay. to launch an ad campaign on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> Signal is a privacy-focused messaging company. And uh, obviously, they're a technology company. So they, they make an app. It's supposed to be secure messaging or whatever. I've never used it. But they said, what if we ran ads that used the tools that are available to advertisers on Facebook and sort of turned the mirror around and showed it to the people that are looking at the ads? What would those ads look like? And this is what came up. Signal tried to run ads on Facebook that looked like this before they got their account banned, of course. Facebook saw what they were trying to do. It's like, nope, you can't run this. Your your advertising account is banned. Here we go. You got this ad because you're a newlywed Pilates instructor and you're cartoon crazy. This ad used your location to see that you're in La Jolla. You're into parenting blogs and thinking about LGBTQ adoption. (laughs) That's an ad that you would have received if Signal were allowed to give... Uh, here's some more. You got this ad because you're a K-pop loving chemical engineer. This ad used your location to see that you're in Berlin and you have a new baby and just moved and you're really feeling those pregnancy exercises lately. You got this ad because you're a teacher, but more importantly, you're a Leo and single. This ad used your location to see that you're in Moscow. You like to support sketch comedy and this ad thinks that you do drag. <laughs> Yeah, see, they could lose their job as a teacher. Uh, well, maybe. I mean, I mean, the point is, the more information, the more they could use it. Yeah. The point I is, mean, I think the point is, sell things. if if the consumer knew what Facebook knew about them, and Facebook knows this about them, but then anyone that's willing to give them a thousand bucks as access to the backend API. They can pull this. They can pull this out of a hat, you know. So if Facebook knew well, what the advertisers go, know about them, right? Well, go back to those those descriptions for a second. Uh huh. When you see, like on the the left one, you have K-pop, Berlin, new baby, move, pregnancy exercises. 
The next one is teacher, Leo, single, Moscow, sketch, comedy, and drag. When you have those facts, the next thing you could do is start creating a psychological profile of what these people would like, what these people would do, what these people would believe in, how they, how they would make decisions, uh, what types of things would they follow, uh, what type of... Uh, uh, what type of uh, uh, issues would they be willing to dedicate their lives to? You know, mm -hmm. you're going to start seeing uh, profiles uh, of groups of people uh, where they are and how they think. And and there and actually in that case, uh, that would be helpful to people trying to move in the same directions. But it's also those people are at risk of saying, okay, this is who you are. Well, I don't want you to know who I am. I want to do what I want to do, not what you think I should. I need to do by by manipulating me. Mm -hmm. I, it, it's, there's a lot more to it than just I don't care if they know if, if they know that. I'm kind of proud of that. Yeah, but how do you want them to use it? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, they're using it to sell you something. So, the question is, is it okay if everyone in the world knows that? Because anyone with a thousand bucks can know that. That's what Signal's trying to point out. And then Signal's also trying to point out, trying to do this ad, they got their account disabled. They said, we, can, we created a multivariant targeted ad designed to show you the personal data that Facebook collects about you and sells access to. The ad would simply display some of the information collected about the viewer which the advertising platform uses. But Facebook was not into that idea. Facebook is more than willing to sell visibility into people's lives, unless it's to tell those people about how their data is being used. Being transparent about how ads use people's data is apparently enough to get your advertising account banned. In Facebook's world, the only acceptable usage is to hide what you're doing from your audience. <laughs> so I thought that was a clever way Interesting. to, to yeah. use the tools that Facebook provides their actual customers. So the thing is, your Facebook account, you're not a customer. But if you have a Facebook advertising account, you are a customer. That's, how they, that's their bread and butter. So you can know a lot about people. You can target very specific people because people put their whole lives on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Well, but what I was referring to is that uh, you can use that information to sell people things or you can use that information to convince people to have certain ideas or, or actions uh, against different issues mm -hmm. because you know you know how they think you know how they live which i think is dangerous but but uh you can do it not openly you can do it subversively yeah so that's, i know the, that's the, the issue the russian government has troll farms um that are used to sort of influence politics elsewhere but uh have you ever heard of net neutrality mm-hmm so there was this big debate during the Trump era. The large corporations that provide internet, Comcast, uh, Cox, uh, they, um, they wanted to remove net neutrality, which is you know equal access. You can't have a tiered internet system. Mm -hmm. um, well, it turns out that in the weeks leading up to the vote, 
the ISPs, the biggest, the internet service providers, there were 45 million comments from bot accounts at the FCC's website saying we need to remove net neutrality as a provision of the Federal Communications Commission's guidelines. And it's like, there's, I don't know if you could sort of one-to-one say, oh, the ISPs, that, that's who stands to benefit from the removal of net neutrality. So I don't know if you could prove that they paid for these 45 million comments of fake accounts, the people that aren't real, to sort of, oh, we're going to open this up to public comment on the internet. Oh, 45 million people really support the idea of the internet service providers to provide a tiered internet to them. It's like, no, no, there's no way that that's true. There's no way that, you know, 20% of Americans have weighed in on this issue and they're all in favor of big business. That just doesn't stand to reason. But mm-hmm. that's the way it was. You know, I can't find the actual ad. That's that's kind of fascinating, don't you think? Yes, it is. So it's, it's, a, very, it's telling. So a troll farm, we think of, you know, Russians in a warehouse somewhere in Moscow uh, trying to affect the outcomes of our elections. But troll farms are employed by corporations here in the U.S. trying to affect the outcome of decisions made at the executive level in U.S. government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, you can, you can carry that. You can also carry that. Uh, you can think about, you can think that you're carrying it to extremes. But now with the capability of like bots and and the extremes are not necessarily uh, unreachable anymore. Mm-hmm. Those those extremes aren't reachable. You can inf- influence how people vote. You can influence how people buy things. You can influence how people believe in certain issues. You can influence uh, the uh, consumers. You can influence different different segments of society. You can influence the military, ex-military people to believe in things. Uh, by just bombarding them, say, oh, that must be the way it is. That's the truth. Why? Because they've heard it by 45 million people. Mm-hmm. So it, it is, it, and you can make them believe pretty much anything. And if you say it enough, uh, again, uh, getting back to the rule of human nature, if you say anything long enough and loud enough and hear it enough times, uh, people will begin believing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, historically, before all of this happened, before all of this technology, if you have a person saying it over and over and over and over again, they'll start believing it. But now you have an Internet saying it's billions of times more than what a person can. Then if you have the same message bombarding uh, a society, they're going to start believing it. Mm-hmm. And you can make them you can make, make them believe anything. Russia is a better is a better system than the United States. Something like that. Yeah. Or you know the election was stolen. Yep. Um are we are we need to go in and, and overthrow the government? Yeah. Cuz our, our our United States government is evil. But uh our our enemies are good. We're the evil one. Mhm. Uh, we don't really we do, we really don't help people. It's it's scary to think what you could do with this, and but I think that we've seen some of the negative things that have been done with this, which I think getting it. <laughs> could lead That's us right. back to, and and here's 
here's another issue that I have. It leads us back to today's topic, which is Apple versus Facebook and the idea of privacy. Now, here's my question. I have a, a, a very decent phone. Um, and they make Android phones that are top of the line that are just as good as iPhones, in my opinion. Some people may say the iPhone's the king. I have a Galaxy S series, which is basically the iPhone of the Android world. Um, now, that's near at or near the top of Android phones you could have, uh, the Galaxy S series. Well, the thing about Android that doesn't exist in the Apple ecosystem is it goes far deeper. So you have the iPhone and you just have the, I mean, there's some models now, the iPhone Pro, the iPhone Pro Max, the iPhone SE, but there's five models. The iPhone SE, iPhone, iPhone Pro, iPhone Pro Max. There's four models. Um, there are hundreds of Android phones you could purchase. And some of them are a hundred bucks. You know, 150 bucks, 200 bucks, you get into a phone. So if your choice is either you pony up the five, 600 bucks for an Apple phone, and then you get the privacy, does that mean that people that can't afford an iPhone aren't entitled to privacy? Because their only other choice is an Android phone. Do you see what I'm saying? So will that make people that are potentially more affluent um, not susceptible to these malicious marketing tactics to this disinformation. I mean, I don't think that's true at all, but there's an argument to be made. There's some inequity in what your choices are based upon the market itself, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, economic discrimination. The barrier is the price. There's mm -hmm. a price point, and that price point barrier uh, has uh, security issues uh, along with it. Mm-hmm. So that's just one back-of-the-envelope argument that I don't think really holds all that much water. <laughs> no. And I think that I'm biased because it's like, of course, when I look at my YouTube page, some days I fall into a rabbit hole. And I think that everyone's done this. They fall into a YouTube rabbit hole. All of a sudden they've lost an hour of their day in the middle of the day when they should have been working. Because YouTube, the algorithm is on point. Maybe people don't think that, but I think this way. There's some days I fire up YouTube and I'm like, man, I need to start watching some other stuff so that the algorithm gets back into its groove because I'll fire up YouTube and there's nothing on the page I want to watch. And I know that it's YouTube's back end generating stuff they think that will keep me on the page. But most people don't. Um, Which is true. You, you can be over here at my house looking on my computer and looking at things. And then when you leave, when I get on there, uh, things that related to what you look up, come up. Yeah. I notice that. Um, so I think, oh, I, my, my YouTube's bad. I need to search a few things so the algorithm makes it cool when I open it again. Well, I, I, I used this example yesterday at around the same exact time in the podcast, but um, <laughs> I'll say it again today. Jack Dorsey's testifying before Congress, and this congressman's like, would you agree that you guys are total liberals, that you guys just hate conservatives? And Jack Dor Dorsey says, no, I wouldn't agree that. I would tell you right now that American politics is way less than 1% of what our platform is used for. So because you're an American politician, when you open Twitter, it, it's about American politics because Twitter becomes what you are. 
And so you see in it what you put in. But there's it's like the tip of the iceberg. There's this huge world that Twitter is. So when I focus on running Twitter, I focus on the whole. I don't think about, oh, this argument I had, there seemed to be more liberals than conservatives, so Twitter needs to change. It's like those people are one fraction of 1% of my user base. I'm thinking about everyone else that uses it. Um, and I think that's the thing about social media, about apps, is that everybody uses them slightly differently. The algorithm creates a different experience for every individual. And so their idea of what an app is, if you and I go out and we watch a movie, if we watch Avengers Endgame, we'll have seen the same movie. Now, if we watch the internet, the social media version of Avengers Endgame, there might be more screen time for the characters that we like or things that we don't want to deal with, like our favorite characters dying. They may choose someone else to die in their place. And then we come out of it having seen two different movies. But, we've, but it, they were both called Avengers Endgame. That's the way mm-hmm. Facebook is for you and me. That's the way YouTube is for you and me. That's correct. That's right. So it's difficult to sort of have a conversation about social media because it's something different for everyone that uses it. Uh, now that that's an extremely good point, and I and I don't know. I think that point should be made every single time we talk about uh, this area. Yeah, to say I understand Twitter because I've spent twenty hours a week on Twitter, you know, getting angry and arguing with people. And it's like, yes, but some people spend 20 hours a week on Twitter not doing that. <laughs> That's right. You know? And arguing the opposite. Yeah. Probably the opposite issue. Or they're stand-up comedians and they make stupid jokes. And then people engage with them and they sort of, you know, and there's nothing political about it. Um, yeah. Or, or that's, they're... That's, that's an extremely good point, David. So just because you use Twitter doesn't mean you know what Twitter's all about. You know what Twitter's all about for you. Uh, same with Facebook, same with YouTube, same with Instagram, any social media. Um, should we get back to the article just to sort of have a lodestone? Uh... <laughs> sure. Okay, I got the basic idea, but would you go back to the beginning? That's what the lady's saying. What's her name? Sunny? Queenie. Uh, Queenie Wong. Queenie Wong. So now we're getting the explain like I'm five version. Sure, it's complicated and it's been a slow boil. Apple said that its annual developers conference in June that it would introduce a feature into iOS that required users to give apps permission to track them across various apps and websites. Like we've said, this is a common practice, but users are often unaware of it because it's buried in the terms of service or privacy policy, and nobody reads those. With the (laughs) iOS update, iPhone users will see a pop-up that explicitly says an app wants to track them. App developers can use this pop-up to explain how user data will be used. Facebook, for example, uses this data to show people personalized ads. The pop-up will also give users a chance to opt out of tracking. Many probably will, and there's some numbers. We'll get into that after we read this. Tracking refers to the act of linking user or device data collected from your app with user or device data collected from other companies' apps, websites, or offline properties for targeted advertising or advertising measurement purposes. Tracking also refers to sharing user or device data with data brokers. Apple explained to developers in a blog post about the updates. Um, So that's the... uh, 
How could this change affect me? Depends on how often you look at advertisements. If you don't deal with them very often, you probably won't notice much of a change by opting out of the tracking. If you rely on Facebook's advertising to direct you to services and products you buy, expect the ads you see to be less relevant if you opt out. The prompt will also give you a sense of which apps are tracking you across other apps and websites to serve you ads. Facebook was clearly unhappy with Apple. <laughs> and the company made that known publicly. The journal, the social network ran full-page newspaper ads in the Wall Street Journals and the New York Times and the Washington Post, arguing that Apple's update will harm small businesses and consumers. The social network's claims have been challenged by academics. Interesting. The social network's claims. That this will hurt small business. Academics say, oh, we, we ran the numbers, and that's not true. Um, the social network also launched a website where small businesses could share their stories. The page includes visit videos from small business owners who support personalized ads and encourages others to tell their story by using speak up for small hashtag. Many of these small businesses say they rely on social media ads to attract customers. Facebook's arguments also reflect its own interest in the effects of the change, which will surely weigh on its revenue. Uh, during its fourth quarter earnings call, Zuckerberg repeatedly revisited the topic and complained about Apple. We have a lot of competitors who make claims about privacy that are often misleading, he said. He added that Facebook, which has its own messaging service, Messenger, and which also owns WhatsApp, sees Apple as a competitor because of the popularity of iMessage. Dan Levy, who runs Facebook's ad business, said in a blog post that Apple's policy change is about profit, not privacy. He said the iOS change would force some apps to turn into in-app purchases and subscription fees, from which Apple can take a cut of up to 30%. We talked about that yesterday. Yeah. So if Facebook says, we can't make money without having all this your data, now we need to charge you 10 bucks a month to use Facebook, Apple gets three of those dollars. I love it. Good job, Apple. <laughs> um Oh, this, I think this is a result of the Epic uh, thing. Apple launched a new program earlier this year. Oh, I'm getting a spam call. Bear with me. Um, to reduce the commission to 15% for small businesses with revenues up to $1 million per year. Good for them. Do you have a staff of 10? Do you have a staff of 20? Well, if you make $1 million in $1, We'll give you seven hundred thousand, but if you make nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine, we'll give you eight hundred fifty thousand, right? Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Facebook has a poor track record when it comes to user privacy. That's un an understatement, and it seems unlikely that users will give it permission to track them. Yeah, why would they? Uh, the company's reputation for protecting privacy was tarnished by the 2018 scandal involving Cambridge Analytica, a UK political consulting firm that harvested the data of up to 87 million users without their permission. Zuckerberg defends Facebook's business model, saying ads allow the social network to offer the site to users for free. If we're committed to serving everyone, then we need a service that's affordable to everyone, he said in a 2019 op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, well, that's, that's, all, that's Apple's business model. That's Facebook's business model. I mean, Facebook's business model. That's, that's their whole business model, yeah. What's Apple's argument? Apple says it changes, its changes give users more control over their data and transparency into what is collected. 
If a business is built on misleading users, on data exploitation, on choices that are no choices at all, it does not deserve our praise, Cook said during a speech last month in a thinly veiled jab at Facebook. It deserves reform. The view isn't new. In the wake of the Cambridge Analytica scandal, Cook told tech journalist Kara Swisher and MSNBC's Chris Hayes that if our customer was our product, we could make a ton of money. We've elected not to do that. Interesting. That's the language I was using. Now, so who said this? This is Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, who Donald Trump famously referred to as Tim Apple. If our customer was our product, we could make a ton of money. We've elected not to do that. That's right. And that, that he's just justifying their, their action. Yeah. And um, their customer is their customer. Their customer is not their product. So they want yeah. people to buy iPhones and iPads and Macs and AirPods. Uh, they don't want to sell those people's data. And I think that people, as we move forward, especially, I think they're saying to themselves, there's something to that. I like that ethos. Uh, And especially as I think the rest of the PC world catches up from a design perspective, they're making beautiful Windows-based laptops now. Um, there's a lot of phones out there that are extraordinarily nice that aren't iPhones. So there is a lot of choice in the marketplace. And Apple's always competed on, you know, slick design, sort of being at or near the top of the market in terms of functionality and form. And I think that they see that's not enough in the future. Since they control their operating system, unlike, you know, if you're Dell, you're using Windows Windows on your computer. You're not you don't control the operating system. You don't control 360 degrees of So Apple controls hardware and software. They say where can we differentiate as opposed to just being slick devices that run well? What if we became the privacy company? And that's another selling point. And I think it's a smart place to be. Now, they will have to Also, who is uh, here's my soapbox. Who is going to be their main competitors going forward? Facebook, Google, Amazon, and Microsoft, right? So they say, oh, we can literally hurt Facebook by enacting this feature, but it's also a selling point for our devices. And it sort of normalizes the behavior of maybe computing shouldn't be me giving away all my data. And so people start to think of computing that way. Right now, they don't even know. These signal ads, I'm sure if you got one, you'd be shocked. You're receiving this ad because you're a 38-year-old divorcee who loves knitting. And it's like, why do they, why, why am I getting this ad? And like Signal said, um, you know, Facebook is willing to sell the visibility into people's lives unless it is to tell those people about how their data is being used. That's not allowed. And so maybe Apple will normalize. I should be in control of what data gets used where. Well, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, uh, I've heard, I've mentioned this uh, in my classes, and I've had a lot of young people say, well, I don't mind them knowing what I, what I 
I, I, I like the advertisement. I don't mind them knowing what I say. And, they, and he, you know, when I think about that, I says, no, wait a minute. Think about it a minute. Uh, when you're talking to someone in a company, in a conversation around the water cooler, what if there's a microphone there that piped that to where everybody in the company heard exactly what you were saying? Mm-hmm. You know, would that change your conversation? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, if if they could hear everything you said uh, when you're home and you pipe that to all of your friends and neighbors, would you want that? You know, the more you think about that, says, no, I wouldn't mind that. It's okay. Well, then let's let's record everything that you say for uh, during the day on everybody you talk to. And then let's just publish that and let everyone hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, and if you did that every single day, how long would it be until people knew exactly how you thought, exactly what you liked and disliked? And uh, that just feel very uncomfortable. It's kind of like uh, the consumer has no clothes. Yeah. You're totally open and also totally vulnerable. And the more you think of it, uh, I, at first you think, well, I don't mind them. You know, I like I like to buy, you know, widgets. I like I like <laughs> red widgets. You know, mm-hmm. it's just ah, it's much more than that. It's much more than that. And I think once you start thinking about it, it says, yeah. Uh, and the thing, the, the the example that you gave there about the uh, uh, what they know about you, that's just a simple example. Uh, what if they knew th- that uh, and what you said about each of those things every single day for for months or years? Well, I mean, what you what you got like you're right. This is a point well taken. This, this I'm I'm showing the signal ads. You got yes. this ad because you're a newlywed Pilates instructor, or you got this ad because you're a certified public accountant in an open relationship. You're in South Atlanta, and you're into natural skin care. That is what's available to anyone that's willing to give Facebook $100. Um, what do you think Facebook has? <laughs> do you know what I mean? They're not sort of opening the entire war chest of data. They're, you know, giving you bits and pieces if you're a customer. But I'm sure what they have is far more robust. And if and if a company has more than $100, how much more they, can they know about you or people like you? Because they have what you've said about those things. Yeah. You can get that profile up. Let's just take one of those things and say, what? why do they say that? What have you said about that? for the past five years. Mm -hmm. What have you done in that area for the last five years? How has that changed over the years? Okay, and do you want everyone to know what all the mistakes you've made? Yeah. And all the things you said that you wish you hadn't have said, it's out there. All the things you've done you wish you hadn't have done and you're sorry for, it's out there, you know? Yeah, I mean, so like, when you start digging digging down, it, there's a lot more to it than just, oh, they know I'm a Pilates instructor. It's much more than that. Yeah, you know, people say, I don't have anything to hide. But the thing is, you probably do. And Facebook knows this, but what if they make it available to everyone? You know, you come into work and they're like, you're fired. You say, I'm fired? What? I haven't done anything wrong. I don't have anything to hide. So, 
well, you know, last Wednesday you called in sick. And we used your location tracking data to show that you were out of your house all day. And we used your fitness data from your uh, smartwatch to find out that you went on a jog. And your heart rate was over 150 for 25 minutes. And that doesn't seem like the actions of someone that's sick. So we can't have employees that are dishonest. So we're firing you. And you thought, I didn't have anything to hide. And yet you could have negative repercussions if everyone knows everything about you. Mm -hmm. Or even if you didn't do any of those things, suppose you're honest, you're honest, as honest as the day is long. Mm -hmm. But they'll take something that you said or you did that is at variance what they believe is true. Mm -hmm. Like they, oh, you really like a uh, uh, certain political person because they're, they're so smart. Says, oh, yeah, but that person said this and this and this. So you like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Says, no, I, I didn't say that. Yeah, but you like that person. And and that political person did this over here. So I didn't know they did that. Yeah, but you like that. So they can start building things against you and say, all of a sudden, you're fired because you believe in this over here. Uh, no, I, I don't. Says, no, yes, you do, because we have evidence here that you believe this this political person, that political person. See what I'm getting at? It yeah. could just be so misused, so misused when you have all that information. Because not only can the information be used uh, uh, strategically, that information can be misused, misconstrued. Mm -hmm. So that, 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 it's a big problem. I think that happens a lot, too. People will say something, and I'll read it, and I'll be like, okay. I mean, they have a point. And the internet will come down hard on them. This guy's the worst person in the world. And it's like, well, there's a lot of people out there that are saying things that are a lot worse and more problematic. But it's just sort of like the piling on effect, like in the moment. And people take the most, the least generous view, interpretation of the context, you know? Yeah. And you might mean, you might have a meaning. Uh, I wish I had a good example of this, but uh, you might say something and you mean something by that. And something very honest and very correct. But the implication could be negative. It says, no, I, I don't believe in that. You know, you might use an analogy. Okay. Mm -hmm. When it rains, it pours. Oh, so you don't want rain. So you you want all of our uh, so you're you don't like rain? Oh, if you don't like rain, then you're against uh, the water board. If you're against the water board, the farmers need that water, so you're against all the farmers. Mm -hmm. So all the farmers should not vote for you for the next election because you hate farmers. Yeah. You hate farmers. You hate farmers. You hate farmers. No, no, and, no. and the head of the water board is a gay Latino. So you hate gays and Latinos as well. That's right. That's right. And it's a, <laughs> well, it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Now, th this is pretty dramatic and drastic, uh, but no, it's not. Just look at the internet on what people say about other people. Well, I think this, what this we're is doing is it's a fallacy. It's the slippery slope fallacy. Um, and so it it doesn't stand to logic in, a, in an argument, you know, the slippery slope fallacy. But it will stand to hordes of people making judgments. You see what I'm saying? People, human nature, believes in fallacies. Yeah, because they fallacies they make... are very effective with people socially. Mm -hmm. I mean, Fox News is based upon fallacies. 
the, and people could people could take that statement and say, oh my goodness, yeah, but you're right, they are. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, MSNBC and CNBC in, in many ways are based upon fallacies too. Some more than others, and some with different different uh, shades. Uh, but yeah, they, they all have, uh, they all commit different informal fallacies if you start mm -hmm. analyzing them. Yeah. I mean, Why? I think because of, they're effective. They're effective. I think of, you know, do you remember when Obama wore the tan suit and Fox News said he was the worst president ever? It's like, look no. at that tan suit. He doesn't look presidential. He looks so stupid in that tan suit. He's the worst president ever. Or when he uh, ordered Dijon mustard. He went and he said, right. could, could I get some Dijon mustard on my hot dog? Dijon mustard? Who does he think he is? Frenchie? He's not American. Uh, that, that's what Fox News was saying. And you say, wow, yeah, things are way different today. But when Donald Trump ordered $500 worth of fast food for the uh, college championships, and he had that picture of him with a shit-eating grin on his face in front of uh, fast food, let's find the picture just because, you know what? We have the internet. People were like... <laughs> Um, where is the picture? There's got to be a picture, right? Yeah, okay. Of course there is. I remember this. So Of course there is. Of course you can find it, David. You can find anything. Here we go. There he is. Oh, my goodness. oh wow. Uh, he had the, the college football champions. And he bought them all fast food. And it's like, people were like, that's so silly. But it's... I mean, criticizing him for serving fast food to the college football champions, I don't think it's any more or less petty than criticizing Obama for wearing a tan suit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's optics, and there's no policy implication to this. And he's supporting an American business. I see Wendy's. I see McDonald's. Those are American companies. It's like he's buying food from American companies and serving it to a football team. People are like, look at this. This is disgraceful. But it's like, is it really disgraceful? Is this the thing that we want to sort of key off of? Like, yeah, it's weird. Filet of fish, quarter pounder. Um, it's weird. But I don't see any malice in it. Do you know no. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah. But people will run with that and just have... Well, what we've seen in the, well, now we're getting a little bit off the subject, yeah. but it's not totally off the subject, is that the more you know about people, the more you know about groups of people or even individuals, uh, the more you can take that information and, and use it in different ways. Mm -hmm. And people will use it in different ways. So information is not just information. Information is uh, is sensitive. I, I guess what I'm saying is there's there was a desire to keep people enraged at Trump for everything he did. Because um, I think that the business model, especially of a network like MSNBC, it was tied to you constantly being enraged. Well, on some days, he would do stuff that maybe wouldn't enrage you, but they'd say, look at him in front of all this fast food. You should be just as enraged by this as you should by his border policy. And it's like, those are fundamentally different things with fundamentally different consequences in, in the public sphere. But it's sort of like everything gets equated to that. It all gets ramped up to that. And I think that's what we're sort of talking about with, you know, the fact that your data is a permanent record. Everything we say on this podcast, someone could take a quote out of context and say, look into these four words that you said. Um, you know, 
He said, mm-hmm. the head of a water board is a gay Latino, so you hate gay Latinos. And it's like, why did you say that? You know, And it's like, well, we were making an analogy. And it's like, you sort of cut off the first part of the analogy. It's like, nope, you hate gay Latinos. Like, no, that's not what I said. You know, And we could go back in this episode and take something out of context. And it's like, no. Like, we were making an analogy. And it's like, well, it's a bad analogy. You should never get to work again because <laughs> you made that analogy. And, and that's the way things are going, right? But That's right. Yeah. But people move on. I, I do think that it becomes, you know, if something's problematic, people sort of forget about it. They can only stay outraged about a certain amount of things for a certain amount of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Actually, you can we can hypothesize and uh, uh, say prognosticate uh, where is this going? And I I believe that in the future, as society matures and society uh, begins to learn about social media, uh, I think that there is going to be a lot more privacy that people will understand that they don't want to be manipulated anymore. They don't want to be misquoted. They don't want to be uh, uh, be uh, part of something that they don't want to be part of. And uh, so what's going to happen in the future is that we will control what is said and what is not said uh, and who we're saying it to. In other words, do you want to talk, when you talk to your best friend about your boyfriend, Okay, do you want that same conversation to be told to a stranger? No, you don't. You will not. You wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. But it's being done now. It can be done now. Yeah. And so that capability is going to be start being limited in the future that you're uh, like 10, 15, 20, 50 years from now that you will limit what you say. And it's going to go back to what people begin to realize that that's way too much power over over society well i mean signal too um their whole thing is the messages you send to people it's a messaging app like iMessage or facebook messenger or whatsapp which are companies owned by the two companies in question that we're supposed to be talking about today except for the only thing is there's no logs and it's all encrypted so it goes from device to device, and no one else sees it. It doesn't go through a centralized server. I think that's what Signal is. You could correct me if I'm wrong in the comments below, everyone on YouTube. <laughs> um, Interesting. So it's a it's an it's a person to person messaging platform that's encrypted, and there's a market for this. There's a reason why Signal exists because people are starting to realize. Maybe I don't want all my messages to go through Apple servers. Maybe I don't want all my messages to go through Facebook servers. And they parse that data, especially Facebook, and use it to advertise to me. Um, shall we finish the article, though, before? Because we're at an hour. Yeah, let's finish it. Is Facebook overreacting? There's just one more paragraph. It depends on who you act. ask. Facebook says in a blog post that without personalized ads powered by their own data, small businesses could see a cut of over 60% of website sales from ads. Harvard Business Review says Facebook's findings are, quote, misleading and suggests that the impact will be modest. These customers would have generated high revenues anyway, the review found. That's why they were targeted in the first place. 
So it would be a mistake to conclude that these customers spent more because of personalized ads. Cook has also pointed out that Facebook can still track users. It just needs to get their permission first. Facebook isn't alone in cautioning the changes that could harm their ad sales. Snapchat expressed support for Apple's changes, but CFO Derek Anderson said during its earnings call that the change represents a risk of interruption to demand for advertising. Twitter suggested in its fourth quarter shareholder letter that the changes could have a modest impact on its performance, but didn't elaborate. Hmm. Okay. So, we've covered this issue. <laughs> Another very important. What a what a crazy world we have. So mm-hmm. many, so many, in, so many very subtle things. But the more you look at them, they're subtle on the surface. But you go down below the skin, and it's it's significant. Yes, there's some very big issues. Very big issues. Uh, so I think there's, which is true. One thing, one thing this this open uh, uh, free internet is uh, has done. It opens up knowledge of things and, and visibility of things that we didn't know before, and it it requires a uh, a responsibility uh, to start thinking about uh, the legitimacy of using this information. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's pretty. Uh, it's interesting. And I think everyone needs to start thinking about a lot of these issues. So I don't have the numbers. I'm going to paraphrase them. They may not be right. But I saw a video yesterday about this, and this is what inspired me to do this today. Opt-in numbers. People opting into all tracking, 15%. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. 15% worldwide. In the United States, that number is 6%. Hmm. So... And if I had an iPhone, I would opt out of personalized tracking. The thing is, my interaction with an application should be the extent of their reach. I don't think they should track me when I switch applications and go to my browser. I don't think they should track me when I use my health app. I don't think they should track me when I make calls, when I message someone with my SMS text message. Um, And... And they don't think that you should have the option to say, no, you can't do that. And that's kind of scary, right? That's what this Mm -hmm. is about. And that's the final word from, it's kind of like a screw you Facebook. But let's go back to the article. This last line. Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, has also pointed out that Facebook can still track users. It just needs to get their permission. And... I think that Zuckerberg and Facebook's argument is like, but who would consent to this much invasion of privacy? <laughs> like, you'd be uh-huh. insane. It has to be default. If it's not default, people won't accept it. And it's like, well, maybe that's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the whole how, reason Apple's doing this. How how different is this from, like, uh, a paparazzi invading celebrities' lives? too much is that similar no but if a paparazzi was your hungover celebrity you're at the clubs all night you go to dunkin donuts there's a bunch of pictures of ben affleck at dunkin donuts let's pull one up why don't we 
Um, no, but what what if what if a paparazzi somehow plants <laughs> uh, gets information that you don't want, you know, and and they just publicize it, or they they sell it to people. Well, what if Dunkin' Donuts takes some of these unflattering pictures of Ben Affleck? And then the paparazzi says, listen, Ben, for me to publish these, for me to sell these to a newspaper, you have to opt in. You have to consent for me to sell these to uh, TMZ or, you know, The Hollywood Reporter. And Ben says, okay, I don't give you my consent. You know, the paparazzi will say, this policy of having to get consent to publish these things sucks. And that's who Facebook is. They are the paparazzi. So I guess there's sort of a... There's there's sort of an analogy there, right? Is that what you were thinking of in terms of the analogy? Yeah, exactly. Or the, what if the paparazzi start taking unflattering pictures uh, and actually recording what they're saying uh, somehow, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, the the celebrity doesn't even know it, you know? Uh, what if they take pictures through the window inside their house? Yeah. Through the window inside their bedroom, <laughs> and they start publishing them. You know, uh, and they said, "No, wait a minute. They they really should get permission before they can publish pictures or information that they have, uh, that type of thing." So, it's when you start framing it different ways, you begin realizing, "Wait a minute, this is an issue. Mm-hmm. This is a bigger issue than than we thought." Yeah. Uh, The privacy debate, obviously, Apple is on the side of selling devices. I think they see this as their competitive advantage. And I believe that it's true because when you look at your alternatives, the other alternative, especially on iOS, because this is an iOS feature. It's for the iPhone and the iPad, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. The only other alternative is Android. And Android is made by Google, and Google's model is very similar to Facebook's. So, in terms of especially handsets, you know, your smartphones and tablets, Apple has the ability, they're the only other person that has a viable operating system. And they're the only other person who could roll out changes like this as opposed to it's them or Google. And Google's not going to limit uh, cross-app tracking because that's how Google makes their bread and butter because they're not making the handsets. I have a Samsung handset. It's running Android. Well, it doesn't behoove Google to say, let's cut off our nose to spite our face and limit our advertising revenue because that's how they make their money. So the operating system for Android is made by a company that relies on advertising revenue, whereas the operating system for, for the iOS isn't. Apple's not dependent upon advertising revenue. So they are uniquely positioned in the market to be the privacy people. And that may end up being a selling point for their devices. Well, before we end, before we go, let me bring up another issue, which is a tangent, which is not this issue. But it makes me think of another issue that we could actually talk about on on another podcast. And that is the 15% who opted out. No, no, no. Uh, the 15% versus 6% in the United 50, States. 15% opted in. Opted in worldwide. The 6% in the United States opted in 
in the United States. Okay, yes. six, not sixty. Uh, Did he say six? I mean six. Yeah, yeah. Six uh, percent United States, fifteen percent worldwide. So uh, just that alone, just that alone, saying, okay, what is the cause and effect of that? Is it the different societies? Mm-hmm. Is a society of America very different because of our individualism here? Uh, to where we are going to see this very differently than cultures uh, 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 across the the globe that do not have the same culture that we do in the United States. They're going to see things very differently. Like they're used to people knowing what they're doing and what they're saying, or they don't really, they're not as open as we are here. Uh, we are very vocal. Mm-hmm. Uh, other places may not. So there's differences in, in the different societies and cultures within the different uh, uh, countries. We can also do also the same thing within the United States. There's subcultures in the United States. So how does this play down uh, to the different societies worldwide? That's another issue. But yeah. I think that's a very important issue on how people see this. So one thing we're talking about Facebook and the, the, the bigger picture of Apple, Facebook, and, and uh, uh, other Twitter and everything. The other is the other way. How can how do people see this? They see it differently. Mm-hmm. That to me that that's another issue that could be very interesting to discuss uh, on the other side. Yeah, but I mean it's true that more than double the amount of people worldwide are opting in, but it's still a very low number. I think that people sort of have this idea that letting Facebook know everything about you is probably not the best idea. And the only reason that they've allowed Facebook to know everything about them is because they didn't have the opportunity to shut it off. Now that they do, 85% of people worldwide and 94% of people in America are taking that opportunity. Today, Mm -hmm. initially. But will that change? Will it go up or will it go down? Yeah. You know, in the future. Uh, so, and I, th- I think it's not going to be the same. There's going to be some trends that are similar, but I don't know. I just believe, I believe people in, in other, in different countries, uh, the United States and other countries, they see things differently. Yeah. They'll react differently. And, uh, and actually that is very important in how this needs to be regulated worldwide. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, because it is worldwide, I don't know if any individual government can sort of rein in rein in the com- company itself. You know, I think that they have to comply with each individual government's regulations. But you know, you you can't get on Facebook in China. But I do think that, like you said, worldwide standards need to be set. For how these companies can operate, since they are they are so powerful, but the only people that really understand how they operate is the companies themselves, and they'll say, you know what, we need very lenient standards because we know what's best for our operations, and they'll be focused on profit and not people. I think that's going to be the way that business always works. For instance, I've come down on the side of Apple. I mean, I'm all for privacy, but. Apple's no saint. I think that there was just a report released that components from the brand new MacBooks are being manufactured or 
are being sourced from the concentration camps filled with Uyghur Muslims in central China. So China has rounded up all the Uyghur Muslims and put them into concentration camps. They're forced labor camps. Um, and that's where Apple's getting some components for their MacBooks from. So I, I, that's, that's worrisome, don't you think? <laughs> well, the, the other issue, though, if, if this works for Apple and Apple is successful and all of a sudden people can opt out of it, okay, uh, that doesn't mean Apple doesn't know. Now Apple's the only one who knows yeah this information and now they've become exclusive in in the holder and storage of that information and they're the only ones so that oh we don't want to use that not today mm -hmm. but if they had that information that could become more of an asset than the assets they have today because facebook has identified and, and revealed that information is extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. And so if Apple can take that information and then they can have be the total owner of it, then in the future, uh, as that grows, if they win, as that grows, then that becomes much more valuable than their products. Mm -hmm. That product was much more valuable than their than their physical products. Now so that's another that's another argument. But wouldn't people lawyers and wouldn't the thing say we read through apple's terms of service and they're collecting all the information they they've exempted themselves i mean wouldn't it have to be spelled out like you accept facebook's tracking in the terms of service you know now apple saying on this operating system you have to opt in we're telling you more than just sort of accepting a long terms of service they're telling you they're trying to track you on these levels well will they do that for themselves they say, we, Apple, are trying to track you on these levels. Do you opt in? Are they holding they themselves see, to the same standard? Will they see even say it? Will that even be part of it? Or oh. they, 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 can, they can say that, but then just by saying that one thing, there's a million different ways that they can do something to fit under that definition. Mm -hmm. And some of those ways, that information is there. We just can't get to it. Yes. But we can get to it if we want to. Yeah. And I guess it is whataboutism to talk about sourcing components from forced labor camps. But if you want to be a hardware company that sells devices and you say, oh, we're the white knights. We're going to save you from people maliciously using your data. Like you should also be white knights in your core business and not use forced labor camps to source your material. That's, that's just my, my two cents. I think concentration camps are bad, and you can quote me on that. <laughs> I agree. You can quote me on that. Mm -hmm. um, and where you have forced labor. Forced labor. Forced labor camps are bad. Uh, yeah. And I think American companies should not use them to source components for their products. That's my... It may sound like I'm a hippy-dippy liberal by saying that, but I, I believe that to be true. Yeah. Um, well, I think we've solved the Facebook-Apple thing. <laughs> They're both uh, evil. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about it. Oh, there's, there's sides to every issue. I mm -hmm. mean, there's, 
Yeah, you know, it's not nobody's squeaky clean. Uh, there's there's both sides to every issue, and and everybody has all different sides. Mm-hmm. And I think I think what's important today is not just believing one thing, but but just learning all sides, talking, talking more, listening more, uh, and just being able to uh, respect other people's opinions, whether you agree with them or not. Uh, just learn about them. Yes. Right. And I will say, because I don't have sources for this stuff, exact sources, this is stuff that I've read um, about, you know, Apple sourcing components from Uyghur labor camps, um, Facebook, the extent of the tracking they do. So I will say, because these are two of the most powerful companies in the world, all of this stuff is allegedly, and I might be misremembering some of the facts and figures that I've presented in this podcast. Um, And that's, I I do not mean to besmirch the character of these powerful companies. I'm just trying to relate the information as I've received it to our audience. Does that make sense? Absolutely. We are not a news podcast. We're not just trying to be accurate. We're just discussing it and talking Mm -hmm. about it. And I think it's legitimate to say, oh, I heard that. Am I wrong? Yes. And if I'm wrong, tell me. Tell us we're wrong. No, that's not what it said. This is what was said. Fine. I, I misquoted. I'm sorry. Yes. And uh, we're, I, just, we're talking about it. We I read an article and my numbers might be wrong. I read an article that Apple's sourcing stuff from these labor camps. That article may have been wrong. And I don't have an exact citation. But I'm not saying that they're doing that. I'm saying if they're doing that, they should knock it off. Um. That's what I'm saying. And because I don't, I know that people speak with certitude. Oh, Apple, you know, they just use labor camps to make their products. And it's like, I don't know that to be true. I've never been there. I've never been to the Foxconn factory in Shenzhen and seen iPhones being assembled. I I, I don't know. So I'm not going to speak authoritatively about it. And I think that is one problem we have today. You get a little piece of information. Oh, Uyghur labor camps are making Apple computers, whether or not that's true, you run with that. They're the bad guy. Buy, buy a Windows computer because at least they're not using the... And it's like, well, they may be. Did you look into their supply chain as well? You know. Um, so I think that one problem that we have, and we always try to discuss, you know, you can, you can have opinions, uh, but if you're not certain of the facts... That's not the hill you necessarily want to die on, right? Uh, so always sort of be open to the fact that you may not have all the facts, you may not have all the information, and some of your information may be faulty. Um, don't take it as the gospel truth just because you read it on some article somewhere. Um, that's just, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is when you discuss stuff like this, it's easy to get worked up. But there's no way that you have that we have all the knowledge, right? Also, when you talk about things, you're going to have opinions, and sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's a, it's not a sign of weakness to be wrong and then admit it. I think it's a sign of integrity. As is, wait a minute, I said that and I thought it was right, but it was wrong. Admit it. Mm-hmm. I think people have to say, okay, I was wrong, and then you you, you repent. Uh, repent, repentance means 
that you recognize it's wrong, I'm not going to keep saying it. Yes. I'm not going to double down on what's wrong. I'm not going to do that, moving away from that and trying to say what's right. Mm-hmm. And and I think in our in our country, with our leaders, they keep saying things that's wrong. It says, wait a minute, there's nothing wrong. Actually, actually, it's it's admirable and it's a sign of integrity to say, I said something wrong. I apologize. That's wrong. I'm turning away from that. I'm moving in this this direction. That that's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm I'm going to say that. And uh, we say that here. Uh, I think that needs that message needs to be out there in, in the world too. And I think before we close, I'd like to just say one more thing about these two giant corporations who I said they're both evil. That was my big takeaway. I don't necessarily mean that. So Apple and Facebook, they've done things that are wrong, both of them. And they've done a lot that's right. Apple has created devices that have connected people. They've empowered creators. They've allowed uh, the world to become more connected. They've put a pro-level camera in your pocket. And they've invented very easy-to-use tools that have allowed people to sort of connect. Facebook, same thing. They've built a platform that allows people to, you know, and the pandemic, I'm sure people saw their grandchild for the first time because right. of a platform like Facebook that's easy to use, where you can connect with people. Someone sort of knows the internet through Facebook. It brings together communities, communities not just of kooky right-wing capital stormers. It brings communities of bread bakers and communities of figurine collectors together and it's a tip of the iceberg type situation. What you end up focusing on is the bad, but Facebook has done a lot to bring people together as well. And if there's a wholesome story that comes out of Facebook, like figurine collectors uh, get together and a 95 year old lady with the world's biggest collection of figurines sort of finds community. And in her final days, she gives away all of her figurines to her friends that she made in the Facebook figurine collecting group. that usually doesn't get reported as much as, you know, these crazy psychos did something crazy and they organized on Facebook. But there's a good side to Facebook as well. And right. and it, like a lot of times these things, they are platforms and good people will use them for good and bad people will use them for bad. And we sort of blame the bad on Facebook and we sort of see the good. We attribute it to the people that are good. So they get blamed for the bad, but they don't get credit for the good. Yeah, very well said, David. Very well said. And it's not just good or bad. It, there's there's always shades in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that's why that's why you always need to talk. Bring it out in the open. Have an open discussion. Go back and forth. Listen to the other person, understand what they're saying as best you can. You don't have to agree with it, but just just open up the discussion so that you can talk about all different sides. And don't be afraid uh, to listen to the other person, to understand their position and what they're trying to say. But it has to be reciprocal, too. They have to understand what you're saying. And you might agree to disagree, but at least you know what the issues are. And it's not just one one size fits all. There's where the problem comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, 
actually that's what our country is based on democracy and openness and free press and and people to say things but and, and other closed societies to me that's dangerous very dangerous and that, that's why it's important that's why here we you know here at the sons of sequoia podcast it, they just talk about all sides of the issue mm-hmm. and we have the music playing oh and, you do yep and i think that you know you already said it but you could say it again yeah, look at both sides. If you think that Facebook is bad, look at the reasons why they're good. If you think that Apple's bad, look at the reasons why they're good. You'll find them. And I think you can do the same with people. Um, bad people right. do good things. Good people do bad things. And and you can sort of see there's a duality to people. And it's not just good or bad. Like you said, it's shades of gray. And keeping an open mind and an open heart, uh, I think it'll take you farther than thinking that you have all the answers. Be slow to judge, quick to forgive, because life is too short. Mm-hmm. So we got the music playing. Do you want to close it off? Yeah, I'll close it off because uh, we here at the podcast, Census Aquaria, we want to urge everybody to keep on talking. But listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying. See you next time, everyone. Bye.